Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. And for those remaining Americans, there is no deadline. Get the rest of our Americans out of Afghanistan. This is where they've lived. This is where their family members are. This is their community. This is a fiasco. I think there are hundreds, if not a thousands, of Americans left behind. A humiliating failure. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Got a great program lined up for you. A lot to talk about. And uh, we'll be joined by a representative up in the North Carolina House who is one of the sponsors of House Bill 324, the critical race theory bill. I, I know it's not technically called that, but... Uh, you, you'll recognize it when we get there. Uh, first off, uh, a number of media outlets are reporting on a gunman injured one student earlier today at a North Carolina high school. The suspect is still on the loose. Shooting occurred up in Winston-Salem at Mount Tabor High School. Forsyth County Sheriff's Office tweeted, All other students are stay safe and being taken to the local Harris Teeter where they can be reunited with their parents. Uh, the big part of the story is the shooter is still on the loose. The good part of the story is, one, I, I believe it was a young man was injured, and he's going to be fine. So no loss of life. But uh, you, you wonder, is it gang-related? Is it some narcissist that uh, feels they've got to get their name in the news? Uh, anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. Greg Murphy released a statement earlier today, the news that TCOM, a global leader in airborne persistence surveillance solutions with manufacturing and testing facilities in Elizabeth City, has received a $217 million contract from the Army. This contract will be to procure 10 modified 13-meter persistent surveillance system tethered blimps, basically. Um <laughs> It's interesting. They're, they've got some huge. I was, I was looking online. They've got some of these huge uh, facilities that can hold these blimps that are tall, <laughs> big. <laughs> and uh, there's a picture of it right there. We're going to take a look at it. But uh, anyway, big, big uh, news for uh, the folks up in Elizabeth, Elizabeth City. Congratulations. Uh, that uh, TCOM is headquartered out of uh, Columbia, Maryland, and they manufacture those up. And, uh, you know, uh, Elizabeth City was uh, originally one of the blimp manufacturing sites during World War II. I remember reading that. That's um... They still have these huge domes up there. Mm -hmm. what, what would you call them? Uh, hangars, I guess, for blimps. But and they're it's a big huge. Uh, Coast Guard station up there, yeah, like yeah. the regional. Yeah. Right there at the Coast Guard station is where they uh, did the blimps. This would be really good for... Um... Yeah, northeastern North Carolina. It helps. Big it's, time. It's really almost a different part of the state. It's just like eastern North Carolina needs a lot of things. That that area of the state's probably needs it as much as any. Yeah, big time. Interesting story on CNS News. Senator Rand Paul is inviting journalists who have attacked his stance on the value of natural immunity and opposition to COVID <laughs> mask mandates and vaccine passports to read the results of a new study. Quote, this is from Rand Paul. Oh, did he really? Yeah, I just got to... Oh, okay. Just backing up real quickly. I, I said that the young man who was injured up in um, at that shooting in Mount Tabor, our producer just said that he passed away. Hmm. So we do not have a name, but uh, please keep uh, those uh, that family in your prayers. 
That's Apparently, w r a l just announced that uh, that young man passed away. That's two uh, what two shootings in the last ten days or so here in mm. Wilmington. Sad. Uh, mm. Oh boy, it it breaks your heart. There is a family who, whose heart is broken tonight. Uh, a, a lot of boy, a lot of death in our society. Uh, getting back to Rand Paul. So he says, uh, go read this new study, uh, quote Rand Paul, to every snot-nosed journalist who accosted me in the halls of Congress and spouted fascisms, integrating natural immunity, read the science. Uh, denigrating natural immunity, read the science. Uh, Paul tweeted that earlier today. It's the Harvard uh, epidemiologist says the case for COVID vaccine passports was just demolished. Uh, that's the name of the article. It is by the Foundation for Economic Freedom, FEE. You can go to, you can read this article at FEE.com. I think it's also on our uh, website, uh, news, uh, ENC News and Views. Quote, new research found that the natural immunity offers more protection than COVID-19 vaccines, from now, uh, the FEE uh, website says, explains that in an article reporting the results of the study, put another way, vaccinated individuals were 27 times more likely to get asymptomatic COVID infection than those with natural immunity from COVID. Hmm. So that, and and this has been my pet peeve for some time now, if you listen to this program for any length of time, you know, I keep harping on this, that they keep pushing the vaccine when if you've had COVID, according to this study, you're, 27 times less likely to be a problem with COVID than those people that are merely relying on the vaccine. Now, the study goes on to say that a combination, and Benny is in this category, the combination of being both vaccinated and having COVID providing even more protection. So if you've had COVID, you're in a lot better shape than just getting the vaccination. If you've had COVID and you've got the vaccination, you're even in better shape. But um, th- this is this is it, it makes you wonder why do they not look at the antibodies that one carries? Why do they? Not, I mean, they're constantly telling us to look at the look at the science, look at the data. Well, here you've got it right in front of you, Harvard study, hmm. and this is based on a, a study that was done in Israel. The study demonstrated that natural immunity confers longer-lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease, and hospitalizations caused by the Delta variant compared to the two-dose vaccine-induced immunity. Individuals who were both previously infected with COVID and given a single dose of the vaccine gained additional protection against the Delta variant. An article published last Thursday in Scientific America notes the study is reportedly the largest real-world observational study so far to compare natural and vaccine-induced immunity. It is a textbook example of how natural immunity is really better than vaccination, said Charlotte Talon, a physician and immunology researcher. To my, mol- to my knowledge, she said, it's the first time this has really been shown in the context of COVID-19. You know, there's been other studies that uh, out of John Hawkins, there was one, and I, I don't understand it, how... The, the community, the, the CDC community, the political, you know, all of a sudden, you know, our 
political experts in Washington are now scientists and medical experts. Yeah. But, but they dis- discount these guys, and, and they're, you know, they're— in, I mean, they're famous in their fields for knowing this type of knowledge, and they just they just get tossed to the side and ignored. And this is just another case. Since it's coming out of Harvard, I wonder if uh, it'll be more gospel since it's Harvard. Well, it's interesting if if, if it's somebody that they agree with that per, that helps project their ideology, then they're all about the science and data. But Marty McCary out of Johns Hopkins, they ignore him. And they'll probably ignore this one as well, and and you know, um, you know, social media, the all the social media platforms, whether it be, you know, Facebook, Google, um, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, j- you just name them. These these people, I mean, they just get banned. I mean, there's a guy last week recently got banned from Twitter, got kicked off of Twitter because he's just reporting actual facts, but it doesn't fit the narrative. It makes you just wonder. Where's where's all this lead? It's such a collusion up there. Good question. I mean, we're going to take a break a little early today because we're going to be represent. Uh, we're going to be joined with uh, by Representative Chris Humphrey, who represents uh, parts of Lenore and Pitt County, and uh, he's going to be talking about HB three twenty four. The uh, official name of the bill is Ensuring Dignity and Non-Discrimination in Schools. We'll be talking about that, and we'll also be getting a perspective from Candy Smith, a representative in the Democratic Party who uh, represents parts of Pitt County. And uh, I would say it's fair to say that she and Chris would not agree on this bill. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. The North Carolina Journal is reporting that uh, House Bill 324, one of the most hotly debated bills, passed the House, has passed the Senate, and now goes to Roy Cooper. And unfortunately, they'll probably veto this Bill 324 bill, ensuring dignity and non-discrimination in the schools. Um, the bill would ban the teaching of 13 discriminatory concepts in the classroom. And the bill is not that long. It's about uh, two and a half pages, uh, double-spaced, and it's you, you can read it in about two minutes. Uh, among other things, it would ban the concept that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex that an individual solely by the virtue of his or her race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, that an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partly because of his or her race or sex, a meritocracy is inherently racist or sexist, particular character traits, values, moral or ethical codes, privileges, or beliefs, should be ascribed to a race or a sex or to an individual because of an individual's race or sex. Now, one of the individuals who has sponsored this bill is Representative Chris Humphrey. We're going to bring him up in just a minute. But first, we'll we'll get a, a, the perspective from Chris about someone who is obviously in favor of this bill as he sponsored it. But one of those people that were in opposition to this bill was Pitt County's own Candy Smith, now, this is not her entire remarks, but this is pretty much gives you, encapsulates uh, within a couple of minutes, exactly how Candy Smith felt about this bill. So we can agree that yes to both of these two statements are true. This country's constitution 
was signed exclusively by 39 white land-owning men who explicitly denied the same rights they gave themselves to women, minorities, indigenous Americans, and individuals who did not own land. Now, there's a problem here. According to this legislation, HB 324, if I were a teacher, and if I taught these two facts in my classroom, I could be in violation of part eight of subsection C of this bill, which states that teachers cannot teach that quote, the United States was created by members of a particular race or sex for the purpose of oppressing members of another race or sex. Now, perhaps we could have a debate about whether or not I did just violate that bill, but the more important point I wanna make here is, this bill is indeed a slippery slope. Yet, I stand here re-emphasizing the point I made back in May, the very first time we debated this bill. Whose truth is the truth? And who gets to decide that? This bill is so incredibly dangerous, but on top of that, it's also incredibly insulting for roughly 100 members of this legislative body to think that they know better about what should be taught in our schools than the 100,000 public school teachers who have made it their life's profession as teachers. My colleagues love talking about making decisions local and about getting big government out of our everyday life. <laughs> well, nothing screams big government like a purely partisan process dictating every facet of education down to what we can and cannot teach from history. I find this bill to be insulting to so many. A majority of this room seems to be under the impression that if we teach kids about racism or the racist history of this country, this will somehow automatically create a generation of racists. It is insulting to think that our kids cannot handle the truth. I'll be honest, this bill scares me not only because of how insulting and degrading it is to teachers, to parents, and to students, but it's also because of the fact that it leaves so many doors wide open. Who is in charge of enforcing this bill? Will DPI have a special unit that goes from school to school on a witch hunt trying to trap teachers? I really do believe that most people in this room understand that this bill serves no other purpose than to agitate people and to push us farther apart on cultural issues. This bill will agitate people and push us farther apart. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and th th this is an insult to parents. Look around the country. Who is demanding that CRT be removed from the classroom? Mm -hmm. And again, this bill doesn't mention CRT by name, but uh, yeah, it's, it's there because CRT is being taught in our schools. And the idea that just because the Constitution was signed by a bunch of guys who are of European descent, uh, if you go back to when the bill was signed in 1787, guess what? Women, there weren't too many women running governments at the time. If you weren't a queen and a monar monarchy, then you, you really weren't in control or in charge. And, uh, I, boy, there's so many things that she said that is just unbelievable. Um, but, hey, we'll give both viewpoints here. Let's bring in Representative Chris Humphrey. Chris, welcome into News and Views. Good to have you back with us. 
Hey, Tom, good to be here. Thanks Benny is me. here as well, and uh, you were one of the sponsors of the bill. What did you think as you heard Candy Smith share those remarks uh, on the floor today? Well, we heard a lot of spirited debate, and I'll be honest with you, from what I heard from the opponents of this bill, I was sitting there wondering if we were debating the same bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it seemed to me that there was a lot of discussion around um, items in this bill that just simply don't exist. I mean, this bill was was created and authored and penned to make sure every student and every parent has they sit in the classroom without being indoctrinated by a rogue teacher. And that's liberal, conservative, doesn't matter. Just we, we just want teachers to be able to teach history regardless of, you know, whether it hurts or it feels good. I mean, this bill does nothing to stymie a teacher. Um, there are there are teachers out there that will try to, you know, um, press their beliefs upon students, and, and that's not their job. Their job is to, they can give an opinion, but to tell a student or to make a student feel inferior or uh, ashamed because they're a member of a race who, who discriminated against another race or, or murdered another race, I mean, that, that's not what teaching is about. and uh, But we want that stuff taught because we don't want to repeat those same tragedies that the others experienced. So I, I just sat there dumbfounded and, and tried to figure out what bill they were talking about. Well, you have to come to the conclusion that it was their intent to misrepresent the bill as best they could so they could get into the News and Observer and WRAL would pick it up and they would have their little... 30 seconds of sound bites on there to make it look like anybody that sponsors this bill is just a, a, a awful racist. And it, it, these these people are trying to d- defend the Klan coming into our classroom, basically, is how they framed it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that they're trying to promote the national narrative of critical race theory yeah. that, that it is, you know, that, you know, Certain groups of people are bad, and they're just going to be bad, and they can they can't change, and they're evil. And, and you know, frankly, most I mean, you guys probably feel the same way. I mean, we're tired of hearing it because that happened in the past. And you know, while it is tragic and it is hurtful, and you know, it, it frankly makes me upset to know that people were treated the way they were. And we didn't have anything to do with that, and. We don't want a racist, a, a white supremacist teaching, you know, these crazy, uh, I don't know, theories to, to our, our kids either. We, right. we don't, we just want teachers to teach. I mean, just like most of us grew up with great teachers and they taught the facts, they taught us the ugly side of America. And, yeah, we've left some things out of history. I mean, my goodness, we, we don't, there's not enough time in the school day to teach every aspect of history. So it's just a, it's a national narrative by the liberal elitists who are trying to make us feel guilty for sins of our forefathers that we had nothing to do with. And our forefathers were fallible men. 
and in some cases women. And uh, you know what? Um, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, you, you you acknowledge the the warts, but you also acknowledge the good things that they did. And for uh, Candy Smith to try to denigrate and destroy the Constitution, because at the time there were 39 white guys, old white guys that signed it. And came, well, you know what? They came up with a great document that served this country really well. It's only since we've gotten away from the Constitution that things have started to fall apart. Anyway, I digress. Um, it, again, it's a fairly short bill. Anybody could read it, and obviously those people that spoke in opposition to it did not read it. But uh, Benny's here. He's got a yeah. question for you. Yeah, Chris, I, I was looking at uh, and listening to the debate on the floor today, and, and like you said, all the Democrats that came and um, and basically had an argument, it was almost like they were reading on the, on the same sheet of music. But I, I know um, one in particular – Representative Lofton from Mecklenburg County, which is a Democrat, said the bill encourages us to look away from our history. And just as Candy Smith said, uh, and she she made a comment that um, about the bill that really absolutely has nothing to do with what the bill said. As Tom says, it's two pages long. It's pretty easy. But I, I break it down in simple terms. If if you're a Democrat or if you're Roy Cooper and, and ultimately vetoes this bill, it's saying you're okay for our school system and, and a teacher in a school system to say that the United States was created by members of a particular race or sex for the purpose of oppressing members of another race or sex. I don't see how, if you believe in America, you can say that's okay to teach that in a classroom. Because if you vote against this bill, that, that's what you're saying. It's okay to teach that in our, our classroom. And that is not part of our history. Uh, you know, yeah. um, Absolutely not. I mean, and you know, America, I mean, this country was founded by the oppressed. I mean, by the religious oppressed. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, it, mm -hmm. it, it it makes no sense. And, uh, you know, it's just, we know Governor Cooper's going to veto the bill. And, uh, you know, the, just the points that were made, I mean, one, one member got up and said, you know, she was a teacher and uh, a student, a white student, I'm presuming, I mean, said that went back and told her parents she was saying you know using foul language in the classroom at which i would never believe this lady would do that i mean i, I believe this lady was a, a great teacher i'm talking about representative rosa gill but i don't know i didn't understand her point how it was applicable to this bill so it, it's almost like they're trying to grab just grasp grab for any, any yeah. soundbite yeah looking at soundbite to just uh like you guys said make those of us who support the bill uh, paint us as a bunch of racists. And, uh, let, let, let me ask you this, Chris. You, you just mentioned that you think that Governor Cooper is going to veto it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Um, when, when you all were in the early stages of this, you probably knew it then that it would be vetoed unless you just got a huge majority. And by the way, the, the it passed, I think, in the Senate and both in the House strictly along party lines, so unless you can convince some Democrats to come over, it wouldn't survive a veto. But when when you were working on this bill, you obviously probably considered the fact that it would be vetoed, and yet you've continued to to push this bill. Uh, your strategy behind that, did you, do you want to force the governor to take a stance on this bill? Do you think that would send a message uh, to the state? Well, 
by making him veto? I, you know, it, it probably could. We we don't usually go into every bill and, and try to determine whether or not the governor will, even though that is that is discussed. I mean, obviously, it's got to be discussed. But we, I've been getting a lot of emails from all over the state regarding critical race theory. And while this bill isn't titled that, there's this national movement right. that really struck a nerve with parents across this across this country, quite frankly. And, you know, we, you, you've got to listen to your constituents. And, and uh, you know, I think the bill was designed to obviously try to bring shed light on the you know, on the topic, but knowing that the governor would, would veto it, I mean, that he's not up for re-election, so it doesn't really do a lot of good from a political standpoint, but it, it does show the state that, that the General Assembly's listening. Here, here's their cries, and we're listening to them. I mean, even though there's a, there's a push now for a, a, a full forensic audit, I, I don't know what a, what a forensic audit is, but that's a topic for another day, and we, we'll address that down the road. But, uh, you know, the the people out there, the parents, and, uh, you know, we're just, just tired of this national noise. And I think it's time to, to put some legislators on the record. And, and, you know, to me, a vote against the bill is, is saying, yeah, you can go into the classroom as a teacher. You can, you can basically do anything you want to do to my child. You can, you can teach her whatever you think, and try to make her, force her to believe or force her to come around to your way of thinking. And this bill is designed to do the exact opposite. We're talking to Representative Chris Humphrey. He was one of the sponsors for HB 324, which is entitled Ensuring Dignity and Non-Discrimination in the Schools. Simple bill. You can go look it up. It's about two and a half pages. You can read it in just about five minutes. Um, Chris, how much effect did the... Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson have now. I, I know he wasn't officially a sponsor of the bill, but just what he was doing with his task force and just how he sh- put a spotlight on the issues that are covered in this bill. Uh, were, were you and the other sponsors taking notice of his work uh, while you were forming this bill? Well, I, I was I attended the uh, the Senate hearing, and uh, you know, Lieutenant Governor is a powerful voice, an African American male who, you know, he, he does not make excuses. He does not sugarcoat anything, and he he but he basically tells it like it is. And he said that, you know, whatever happens to you is your fault. You know, which obviously that that's a that's a greater context, but. You know, and, and I think that members, Democratic members, some African Americans, they they uh, they don't agree with him, and you know he he's not afraid to call it like he sees it, and I, I think that that him that he being a uh, you know at the forefront of this issue is important because it goes to show that that this is not a bill that's trying to. Uh, pinpoint a certain race or group but we're just trying to make sure our our, our students and our children are taught 
Well, quite the antithesis. You're trying to prevent pinpointing a race or a group. I mean, this <laughs> critical yeah, yeah. race theory does does the opposite of what this bill does. And it's uh, as Benny says, it's amazing to me that people would come up and call this bill racist when it's trying to prevent racism. Yeah. Well, well, I, you know, I won't I won't put you on the spot, but 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 I but I believe what this is it's just part of the national effort and the Democrats in North Carolina and the and the House and Senate. It's and just the governor's house. And the governor's the governor, yeah. just following the party line because this is a national effort to divide people and divide people by race because they're they're absolutely afraid of the poll numbers for the last two elections when Donald Trump ran for president and how the African-American vote went more Republican than it ever has before, and it scares the heck out of yeah. it. Absolutely. I mean, I'll say it, whether you can say that or not. Yeah, Chris. no, I, I, I mean, you're right, because if you look at the bill and you read it, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it is a no-brainer, but you're right. The National Democratic Party is reeling right now. They, they've got a they've got a president who who can't, you know, find his way out of Washington, D.C., and, and it's... Uh, can't it's find his way out of the White House. <laughs> well... <laughs> That was him. But, yeah, he uh, listens. That's... He's right here. He tunes in. Absolutely. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, hey, Chris, let me let me change gears with you a little bit here. Uh, the budget, you, you the uh, I don't know if it's done in the House or the Senate, but you've the in, you've integrated the emergency powers mm-hmm. issue into the budget. Uh, how do you think that's going to fall out? Will you think the governor will veto it, and will you have a veto-proof uh, vote to override any vetoes? Because, um, uh, you know, he might like the budget, but I, he's not going to like giving up the emergency powers, which he's abused for 18 months yeah. now. Yeah, you know, um, who, who knows? But if I'm the governor and there's a lot of policy in there that takes power away from me, I'm I'm probably going to think twice about signing that you know, we'll see how it shakes out, but you don't. You know, you don't get everything you want in a budget. So, I don't know, man. Maybe it's a great uh, negotiating tool that was that was instilled in the budget to help help move things along. I don't know. I'm just taking a wild guess right, right. that maybe that that's the case. Uh, but, but yeah, things are moving along uh, pretty good. We we uh, we found out yesterday we're the, the House and the Senate are maybe closer than we. Then we think on a on a working out some details, and you know the conference committee will get together and and iron out some differences. Uh, several Democrats on on the conference committee, and in, in, uh, I know in the House, so uh, that, that's good. I mean, that, they'll have a seat at the table, and hopefully, we'll we'll be able to keep those numbers intact to to override a veto in the House. Anyway, the Senate has a little bit. Uh, they got a little bit further to go to get a veto, but or veto-proof majority. But we'll see. Uh, one one last question, uh, Representative Humphrey. I think it was earlier this week or late last week. Governor Cooper vetoed the bills you got guys passed in the House and the Senate. I think to, it was on Monday. On Monday was it yeah. Monday? Yeah, to so. um, to basically end the hundred-year gun permit uh, bill in North Carolina to end a gun permit permit requirement that kind of started during the Jim Crow era, interesting enough, and he vetoed that. Did, did you guys have enough votes to override his veto on that or not? I don't recall. Yeah, I, I believe we did at the time, and we've got we've got several members that are out with, with uh, some sickness and some 
health issues, you know, on the Republican side. So we'll get through this budget process, and then we'll look at hopefully trying to override some of those some of those vetoes. Mm-hmm. But that one was, I guess, not too surprising. But you try to get a pistol permit in Wake County or Mecklenburg County, I mean, you're basically told that, you know, they're so backed up and they just don't have time to get to them. So uh, we, we, wow. we've got to fix that. Yeah. There's just no excuse for that kind of laziness. Yeah. Um, to prevent a well, is is it is a laziness or is it is it part of their agenda? That's the other question too. Is it? You <laughs> I think know, it's both. Yeah, I, I think it's both. I think it's more the agenda part. Um, but I mean, it's a revenue stream for these sheriff's departments, and it's uh, you know the sheriff doesn't know everybody in the in the community like they used to. I mean, these transient days that we live in, so uh, just makes sense. To yeah, Chris Humphrey, get th- that step. Representative, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thanks for your insights, and thank yeah, you for sponsoring for this bill. You bet. Look forward to having you going again. Absolutely. All right. Chris Humphrey calling in from uh, Raleigh. We're going to take another time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So Nancy uh, Pelosi, Queen Nancy, showed her true colors uh, yesterday when it came time to uh, read the names of those uh, servicemen and women who lost their lives. She refused to do so. The Federalist is asking an interesting question, which I've been asking since the uh, drone strike happened and supposedly the high-profile terrorists were killed by the U.S. drone strike. You know, how do we know it's true? Well, the Federalists asked the question, why won't the Pentagon name the high-profile terrorists allegedly killed in the U.S. drone strikes? Maybe because if they name them and then they show back up, there'd be a big whoops. (laughs) That's a good point. Um, Nobody's named them. No. It's, It's still a secret. And we, you know, we've probably got some intelligence still on the ground, uh, but it's not what it was because the CIA bugged out a few weeks ago. Speaking of the CIA, the Daily Caller is reporting that a secret CIA compound outside of Kabul reportedly served as a base of operations for evacuations that avoided the Taliban checkpoints. Eagle Base, which until 2004 was home to the notorious prison known as the Salt Pit, was used from August 15th to the 28th to assist in the evacuation efforts after the Taliban took control of Afghanistan. Now, this was reported first by uh, the New York Times. The Daily Caller picked it up. Uh, I, again, I'm, I'm sorry. I just You look at these things, and you have to ask, is this propaganda from the Biden administration, or is it true? Hmm. Uh, Red State is reporting. Former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Western Hemisphere Affairs, Roger P- uh, Pardo Mara, Drops some incredible information during an interview. Pardo Mara, who was in the State Department for years since 2001, said he was being told that the Department of Defense already knew who the bomber was ahead of time that blew up, that killed the 13 servicemen and women. They knew who it was ahead of time. Not only did they know who it was, but they had a bead on him. And they contacted somebody way up the food chain to say, can we take this guy out? And whoever it was up the food train, whether it was Joe Biden, I, I doubt if it was Joe. Joe was probably asleep. 
although it could have been. If but, they asked Joe to take him out, he'd said, I think Jill already took the dog out. What are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, they asked permission to take out this this killer, this guy's, and they said no. Mm. And they said, why? They said, we don't want to upset the Taliban. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're in talks with them, and we don't want to upset the Taliban. You know, this has got so many parallels to Benghazi. Oh, I, I have got that in my notes. I mean, yeah, this is Benghazi all over it's again. It's just amazing that, that that our people in Washington, our president, and the, and the people that are advising him are so concerned about optics and the politics that they will just let Americans die. And I, I don't see how you can see it any other way. So two questions that Congress needs to ask. How long in advance do we have the eyes on the bomber? prior to him setting off the bomb at the airport. And who issued the stand-down? Who said no? I'd like to know the answer to those two questions. You know what? That would have to be, I would say, um, it would definitely have to go all the way to the Secretary of Defense. I would think. Secretary Pretty high of Defense, up. Yeah. the Joint Chiefs, and um, and who's it, McKenzie, that's at CENTCOM. I, yeah. I guarantee you that decision was made by the— One end. of those. And—, and they would have they would have ran it up the flagpole to to Biden if they could find him. Yeah, up the flagpole. But you know, during all this, isn't it just amazing how you've heard nothing? You know, uh, yesterday Biden did his press conference that was just was just laughable. Took no questions. The day before, you know, Secretary of State Blinken and um, I think uh, McKenzie with CINCOM um, did a presentation. Not a word, not a peep out of the vice president of the United States. No. None. Where is she? Who knows? Um, Biden has got his hands full. His lies are catching up with him. Town Hall and a number of other media outlets are reporting that there was a phone call that Cousin Eddie placed to the former president of Afghanistan. Just weeks before Afghanistan fell to the Taliban, Joe urged President Ghani to focus on the government's perception problem around the world. In a July 23rd phone call obtained by Reuters, Biden was concerned about the Taliban's strength at the time when the U.S. withdrawal was well underway and the Bagram Air Force Base had closed earlier in the month. That was closed back on the July 5th, about two weeks prior to that, almost three weeks. I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban, Biden said in the 14-minute call. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. In the call, Biden offered aid if Ghani could publicly project he had a plan to control the spiraling situation in Afghanistan. The president also advised Ghani to get buy-in from the powerful Afghans for a military strategy going forward and to put a warrior in charge of the effort, a reference to Defense Minister uh, Mohammadi. Your assistance of support goes a long way to enable us to really mobilize us in earnest, Gandhi told uh, Biden. Uh, so listen, I mean, stop and think about this. A, this means that Joe Biden knew that things were going south a whole lot earlier mm-hmm. than when he said, oh, we just had 11 days. He knew it was going south at least by July the 23rd. Because yep. he's on the phone begging Ghani to, you know, hey, hey, we need to change the perception. Now, really what he's saying is, you need to get my fanny out of the sling. And can we remember back to a certain phone call that was 
an impeachable offense. Mm-hmm. How is this different from the phone call that Donald Trump made? In fact, it's probably worse, but <laughs> wait a minute. You Democrats wanted to impeach Donald Trump because you said that he was uh, withholding aid unless this guy did something. Uh, by the way, this is the second time that uh, Biden's withheld aid, right? I mean, oh, yeah. what about the billion-dollar yeah, support Ukraine. that he's—yeah, mm-hmm. if you don't get rid of this uh, prosecutor. And now he's back on the phone again? So are we going to impeach Joe Biden? And son of a bee, he got fired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his comments yeah. from Ukraine. Well, look, if, if Biden was having this conversation with Ghani uh, in July, late July— you can believe that, oh, yeah. that the Secretary of State, yeah. National Security Advisor, and all of his defense security advisors, they were talking a bit about this weeks ahead. They knew when they shut down Bagram, yep. they knew they were in trouble right then. And they probably said, shut it down quick. Otherwise, we're really going to look stupid if we shut it down in the midst of this catastrophe. Uh, the, uh, wow. Uh, is, is he inept? Is he, he senile, is. or yes. is or is he uh, on the side of the enemy? That's the question you got to ask yourself. We'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. So before the break, we were talking about this phone call that Joe had back on uh, uh, July 23rd with uh, the president of Afghanistan, Ghani, basically saying, hey, you know, make me look better, and uh, I've got some goodies here for you. Um, Interestingly, this this has made big news. This is not just exclusive to the uh, conservative realm. Slowly, we're seeing some true journalists turn on Joe. But Jen Psaki was asked about this this afternoon in her little press briefing, and uh, she basically dodged the question. Let's put it that way. Um, She said, well, I'm not going to get into private diplomatic conversations or leak transcripts or phone calls, she said. But what I can relate to you is that we have stated many times that no one anticipated that the Taliban would be able to take over the country as quickly as they did or that the Afghan National Security Forces would fold as quickly as they did. I'll um, circle back on that one. This, the whole point is, if you look at the phone call, guess what? Uh, they did know ahead of time. You weren't surprised. Unbelievable. Yeah, and yesterday she actually said to the press that, you know, hey, none of you guys knew it. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I don't think we had the information yeah. that you got. I mean, good gracious, that was stupid. Uh, it, is, it is really fascinating to watch them try to uh, squirm out of their predicaments. Keep praying for America. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Play a little political trivia. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right,